Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you know how you get a cold sometimes and it lasts a normal cold's length? It goes two days, maybe three, four sniffles, then it's out of there. See ya, OJ, good rest, you're done. And then you get some other colds that hang around. It gets the four-day mark and the five-day mark. Six day, you're going, I don't know what the hell this is. I still think it's a cold that's just hanging around, but you learn to live with it. And then sometimes they go for a week and maybe two. And I'm not saying zappy fever feels like a cold. I'm just saying this is hanging around a lot longer than we expected. Now, do I have it? No, but I am enjoying the hell out of Bailey Zappi's run here at quarterback because it's mid-October, okay? We're not at the point where every game matters as much as they're going to matter after Thanksgiving, but we're getting close. And some of these losses, you could just brush off if you're the Patriots. Instead, the Patriots are 3-3. Three and three. They whooped up on the Lions 29 to nothing, and as we all know, it was 38-15 to 15 out in Cleveland on Sunday. Zappi, meanwhile, leveled up in a second career start, 24 of 34, 309 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Now, that statistically is the best game by any Patriots quarterback all season. Of course, context is needed. We're going to get to that because the quarterback conversation is no longer just about Mac Jones or just about Bailey Zappi. It's become about the two of them. Now, I don't see this as some sort of dichotomy where you know, we got to do the first take thing and choose one over the other coming up against Chicago. I'll say it right out flatly. Mac Jones should get the job back when he's healthy. He's the better quarterback. I think there's reason to believe the turnovers in his first three weeks are not going to surface again. Of course, it's going to depend on him when he was less accurate uh, than normal, atypically inaccurate. But it's a conversation because of how well Bailey Zappi has been playing. And when you look at some of these numbers, he's played two of the worst five defenses in the league. But what he's doing are things that Mac Jones was not. Specifically, and you can find a full write-up at thebostonherald.com. I've got over 2,000 words on this with some graphics and videos, et cetera, et cetera. Zappi is playing point guard in a way that Mac was not. Mac had five interceptions through three weeks. That led the AFC, okay? When you're playing point guard, you're not just running the offense. You're protecting the ball. And that is the number one job of a quarterback. One B, though, would be to distribute. And you look at the way Bailey Zappi was distributing in Cleveland. I said 24, 34, 309 yards, eight different receivers, including himself. Four of those went for over 60 yards, both of the tight ends in Devontae Parker, then Jacoby Myers. And they're all winning in different ways. They're winning in ways that they're all supposed to win. Parker, backside slants in the jump ball. Jacoby Myers, downfield, deep overs, quick outs. Johnu Smith, 
catch and run plays where he's breaking tackles. And what this does is not only just kind of elevate the talent around Zappi by just getting them the ball in the way they should be, it allows the Patriots offense for the first time in a long time, probably about 10, 11 months, to be the shape-shifting system that it wants to be. And that's all because, A, Bailey Zappi's holding onto the ball, and he's just following the rules, okay? And again, it helps facing two of the worst five defenses in the league in Detroit and Cleveland. But these are things Mac Jones was not doing. And when you look at those numbers and the way that it's operating, where the Patriots go in with a run-heavy game plan, six of their 12 snaps in that opening drive, you go back and look, six offensive linemen. That says one very clear thing. We are here to kick your ass. Okay, how'd that go? Well, any package that the Patriots had six offensive linemen with through three quarters, they averaged 1.6 yards per carry. Okay, the only ass getting kicked was theirs going backwards, Reminder Stevenson running into a brick wall as we saw at the goal line. Their other plan to beat Cleveland, again, which shouldn't take a whole lot, it's one of the worst five defenses in the league, was a ton of misdirection. That same opening drive, two screens, Matt Patricia called the season high six on Sunday. You had some end arounds, okay? You had some play action leading to screens. You also had some reverse pivot handoffs, or if you noticed, and this is, again, opening drive right away if you go back and, and watch. Bailey Zappi takes a snap under center, turns right to no one, and then at the last second pivots back left and hands it off to Reminder Stevenson. These things are just geared to get an undersized, over-aggressive defense going the wrong way and then to get easy yardage. Well, for all that planning and for all that deception, the Patriots were locked at three apiece in the second quarter. This is where the shape shifting steps in. It's not just week to week about the offense they need to be to beat that opponent. It's drive to drive, the ability to enact adjustments, which is not to say that Mac is not smart enough. He's certainly not capable enough. He is all of those things to do this. But it, none of that matters when you don't take care of the ball and execute the offense's plan. And there were reasons to have doubts, as doubts that I had very openly and publicly on this podcast, on radio, on TV, and articles about Matt Patricia leading this offense. But what we've seen is this really Bill Belichick's offense. And you saw how quickly Belichick and Patricia pivoted from that run-heavy six offensive lineman style in the opening drive, stonewalled at the goal line. They don't do that really for the rest of the half. What they do instead is start leaning on play action. And they start leaning on first down passing where Bailey Zappi then goes nine of 10 for 112 yards on first down alone. You look at play action. He had that long touchdown to Hunter Henry under center, third and one, 31 yards. See it easiest touchdown Hunter Henry's ever scored. That, that change, that shift, that shape shifting started in the second half where they let Bailey Zappi start to go to work and pass more. And he was able to do that without turning the ball over and without making certain decisions at the line or within the game that obviously irked the coaches. And I'm not saying that the coaches are always right. Mac Jones is always wrong. It's just that as they followed the game plan, as the Patriots found ways to get the ball to their skill position players, the way that maximizes each of their individual talents, that's when this thing is going to work. I think it's taken the coaching staff a few weeks to get settled into the offense they want to be. And they just had the right person at the controls to execute it, as opposed to Mac, who, you know, was arguing for RPOs, got RPOs implemented in the system, is making checks at the line. Sometimes those checks, checks are, <laughs> those checks are missed by Devontae Parker, like against the Ravens game and the interception in the end zone. But Zappi is doing the things he's supposed to be doing. That's the starting point for this offense with the way that it wants to be so multiple. If you can't do those fundamentals, none of the rest of this matters, and that's what he's doing now. 
Like I said, if Mac Jones is healthy enough to play, absolutely 100%. That's his job. That's his spot. He should play Monday night. He is the better quarterback. He is more talented. He has proven himself capable of holding out of the ball. And his accuracy is the only elite trait that's going to be elevate, able to elevate this offense to another level when they stop facing the Browns and the Lions and the Bears and then the Jets and Colts. And they get to tougher defenses down the road, which will determine like two matchups against the Bills maybe whether or not they get in the playoffs. So to wrap up the quarterback conversation, then we get into the good, the bad, the game balls, what would NFL film say and mailbag. I'll just say checking in with people in the team today and yesterday after the game that they're happy with Zappi's play, sending a message to Mac because part of the discord intention, I think has been overblown from the summer where again, it's hot. People are getting heated anyway. The offense is struggling. They're trying to decide how best to play. They're ditching basically all that boot play action stuff we talked about in our podcast over the summer. But if Mac sees someone doing the things he was not, there's only one message that sends, and that's one that they're very comfortable saying. If you just listen to us, if you run the offense as it's directed, things will go okay because Mac is an incredibly smart guy. That's how he's found his edge in everywhere he's gone, and especially in football, that's how he wins. But you know, it's not always him with the right answer. And if he's making the wrong play, then it doesn't matter what he thinks. They just got to start making the safe, simple play because that's all that the Patriots were doing against the Browns and got out of the building with a big win. Okay, on to the good. Bailey Zappi talked about it. Game ball, first one to him. First quarterback in the Super Bowl era to have a passer rating north of 100. He was outstanding against the Blitz, 11 of 15, 186 yards. And he got the Browns to back out of that blitz by the early mid third quarter. And that's rare because they came in blitzing like the Lions did not, like we expected them to. If you listen to this podcast before the Detroit game, the Browns went ahead and blitzed him. And the Patriots had some designs to help him out of that. It was just, I mean, the run game, which actually they largely did, but also to affect him. They did not affect him. He was incredibly poised, game ball number one to him. Um, also, that protection we talked about, he was touched just four times, pressured. South of 20% second straight game. A lot of that has to do with the interior offensive line. Mike Onwenu, you could make an argument, is the Patriots' best offensive player right now. Four straight games without surrendering or pressure. He's also been run blocking his butt off. Now, David Andrews also had a clean sheet, blocked three separate dudes on that last touchdown. Stevenson right off the gut in the fourth quarter. Wouldn't have blamed you if you missed it. That game just simply would not end. But this interior offensive line for pocket-bound passers, whether it's Zappi or Hoyer or Mac Jones, is really getting it done. And that starts with number 71, Mike Onwenu, who has replaced Shaq Mason that some people were losing their minds over for a fifth-round pick, which, look, I get it. That seems like subpar value. But the Patriots surely shot Mason, and I know had interest in him, ultimately dealt him once Alex Kappa left. Uh, I think it was Alex Kappa left to go to Cincinnati, one of the Bucs guards, and then they shipped him to Tampa to be a replacement. That just happened to be the market for Jack Mason. But the Patriots felt comfortable doing that, A, because they gave him cap relief. And Michael, one who could step in just as he has now, finally allowed to settle into one position. And you see the results right there. Um, Matt Patricia, also another game ball. The play calling, like I mentioned, really shifted. They got away from things they had worked on all week that weren't working on Sunday. And that's all that matters. So middle of the second quarter, passing more in early downs, more play action. Then you get into third and one under center. They had a 90% run rate tell. Like nine out of 10 times, anytime Billy Zappi's under center, they're handing the ball up. 
They took advantage of that on the third and one pass to Hunter Henry, the play action one. That was 13 personnel, three tight ends. He's under center. Everything screams run instead of the pass. Very nice call by Matt Patricia, uh, who, as I mentioned, killed him play action early down passing. And just quickly, because sometimes that's a pride thing, right? We can just we can jam this ball down your throat. We're here to run the ball in Cleveland. If they, for whatever reason, are just stopping it that day, you got to move it. He did. Other one to Bill Belichick ties George Hallis, second most all time in the career wins list, the 124. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore. That's fine. We're going to do a whole lot next week when you definitely probably beat the brakes off the Bears. Uh, now to the bad. Isaiah Wynn. Uh, fourth straight game for him with a sack and a penalty. Okay, four straight games with a sack or a penalty is bad enough to do this twice and get benched for the second straight game is just brutal. I don't know what the future right tackle is. I would not be surprised if it's Marcus Cannon or if they just keep Isaiah Wynn in there and say, we're going to work out these kinks because the switch from left to right is really underrated. The problem is Isaiah Wynn did not do himself any favors publicly when he just doesn't want to say boo about it. And maybe he was mad and prevented himself from saying something that would be worse than saying nothing about it. But right now, some guys are wondering, you know, whether he should, you know, be active. Some fans, of course. And the results are there. Again, that's a sack and a penalty in four straight games. And going left to right can be really difficult for most guys. For some, it's easy. We didn't know how it'd be for Isaiah Wynn. I think we know now. Six games in, and he's playing like this with Marcus Cannon, who was on the street a month ago, coming off and replacing him in the first half. Um, bad opposite side of the line scrimmage, Trent Brown. Two penalties, Zach, hurry allowed. You give him a little bit more of a break, not because he's been better this season, but because blocking Miles Garrett's really hard. Okay, <laughs> dude's an all pro. They simulated in practice last week, Miles Garrett with three different players. LeBron Ray, who is his uh, most similar player by body type, 6'4", 290, about 20 pounds heavier than Garrett. Matt Judon, who's just their best rusher. And Josh Uchey. It took three different human beings to simulate one in Miles Garrett to give Trent Brown a good look. And that good look um, got them two penalties, a sack, and hurried a lot for Trent Brown. I'm confident he'll bounce back, but for now, I don't care who you are, who you're facing. That kind of stat line is just not going to get it done. Um, so, yeah, that's been uh, about it. Good in the game balls, I guess we overlapped. I mean, the same deal. Zappi's going to get a game ball. Uh, he was part of the good, um, you know, on Weno, Belichick. Kyle Duggar, though, I will, I will highlight since we did not do him before. Eight tackles, two pass deflections, including a pick on that first drive. The Patriots, speaking of not practicing against, um, no, speaking of practice, he didn't get to see that pass once in practice last week. It was, a, it was a new design for the Browns. So the Patriots coaching staff comes through all this film and all these stats and all these concepts, kept that one off to the side. Well, Kyle Duggar did not keep that off to the side because he saw that play develop. Three tight ends on the right. The innermost guy starts to hit up field while everyone else is blocking. And he sees him and said, that's trouble. So he follows Farrell Brown upfield in this corner route that just went for freaking ever. And then, as you know, Jacoby Brissett tries him deep. Duggar turns his head around, catches the ball, Patriots ball after two plays. That's just incredible work. Not only just from a film study standpoint, but for a guy who is a third-year player in the league. Not some vet who's been through the Warriors and played hundreds and hundreds of games. He just watched enough film dating back to last year on this offense to know that that play was coming. And obviously it was something Cleveland thought it would have a chance to hurt them with because it was, it was on the script. It was the second play called. The other part about that was Duggar was aligned really as a corner. And he told me after the game, he was working all week 
on trying to take his first steps back at the snap because he's a box safety. He's in the second level. He's basically playing linebacker on first and second down. All of his steps are forward, right? Like he's trying to stop the run. Any sign of a fake or a handoff, he's there. Then he goes backwards. Playing corner, playing safety in this base look where they had just one corner, three safeties, three linebackers, and four D linemen, he had to play pass first and let the other seven up front, the actual front seven, do the work against the run. Took him a long time. Browns tested him right away. And uh, obviously he passed. Okay, so we kind of overlapped good in the game balls. What would NFL film say? This is really easy and predicted last week. We talked about Belichick going on the road to Cleveland, back at his first stop as a head coach, potentially tying for uh, second all-time in wins with George House, 324. He does it. This is all that that's about. When we get a little zappy fever, I think we probably get a line about zappy fever hits a 118.4. Reality, you would be dead, but really that's just a joke about his passer rating. Uh, and then it's on to Chicago. Hallis's old team, where Belichick can break the record, not just at home, but on Monday night football in primetime. And maybe, maybe a little storyline between Justin Fields and Mac Jones next week, because if that game goes to goes to plan. Um, not even NFL films can really say what is probably going to be a 20 to three kind of game, if not 27 to six or nine or something like that, because uh, it is it is slated to be one of the more boring games we have on the schedule. But as for Cleveland, it's about Belichick. It's about him taking the team back onto the field after the win, saying, looking up at these five names, which he did, because the Browns, I'm going to miss a couple, uh, honor Jim Brown, Ozzie Newsom, uh, Paul Brown, and for all the work that specifically Paul Brown did to kind of integrate the NFL and all the work that Jim Brown did off the field uh, as far as human rights go and civil rights. So Belichick does that, has the team stop outside the stadium after, look at the Jim Brown statue, all that gets covered, snippets. Also from Matthew Slater, who... Uh, had a great quote after the game talking about for him to do it in this place where they ran him out was extra special. So at least someone's going to acknowledge that. Thank you, Matthew Slater. Hey, just a quick break to tell you football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores, plus giveaways all season long NFL and college but if you're not into football why are you listening to this podcast also you can find your other favorite sports NBA even MLB playoffs MMA tennis boxing golf they're still playing golf so head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus that's 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 CLNS50 to receive rewards because that's bet online where the game starts. Okay, on to the mailbag. Thank you to all these folks for these questions. We got four. A lot of these are uh, these are diehards here in the pod. Dave from Twitter wants to know, does the linebacker situation still need an upgrade or have Tavine Jennings been improving enough to make it work and how far away is Collins from being ready? Collins, I don't have a specific answer on. It's funny. He has not been in the locker room once the last two weeks since he signed, two or three weeks since he signed. Haven't spotted him. He's been a total ghost. That's how Jamie Collins used to be dating back to 2019. Last year, at least via Zoom, which is when we did all these interviews, that dude was the happiest, bubbliest, most outgoing guy. Right now, as we know, Belichick revealed that he underwent offseason surgery. So it seems like he's working his way back probably into playing shape. But also, he's not someone who's going to profile all that differently from Mac Wilson, right? Like we've seen Mac Wilson, if you you know follow me on Twitter or reading uh, some of my film reviews, some bad eyes. He's a pass first player. You have him for his range. 
not necessarily to stop the run. So they might have even had him available for Cleveland and just gone, man, we're going to play an old-school base defense, a 4-3, and we need all the run-stopping guys we can get for Nick Chubb. It doesn't really fit with Jamie Collins. So he might play a role down the line. Actually, the other guys, Tavai and Jennings, definitely fit that profile. Jennings was great. He had two quarterback hits. Another day of setting a sturdy edge. Tavai, more or less the same thing. I think he was exploited again trying to reach uh, the perimeter. But I'm not here to dump on Jelani Tavai like it seems like half of Pat's Twitter wants to do. He sucked in Detroit. He was okay here last year in a very, very limited role. Uh, he was exploited at Green Bay, played well against the Lions. He's he's a below average linebacker. It's just what it is. As we're moving forward, yeah, they need to be better because Juwan Bentley is not playing to the level that he was last year. It's certainly been better the last couple of weeks. Um, but I think ideally this defense has Mac Wilson step back into the starting lineup just for the simple fact of his speed and his range. You've just got to get those instinct honed. And Matt Judon was even talking about this last week, saying he's got a lot to learn. But Mac Wilson's only 24, so he's got time. I think the Patriots just want to expedite that learning process as much as possible. Ashley wants to know who is the Patriots starting right tackle against the Bears Monday night. Well, I just said, I don't know. So I can't really give you a definitive answer, but I would still bet on Isaiah win. And part of that is they're going to have an extra day to prepare and practice against uh, the bears. And also you look at the way Ken has been used. He's been pretty active the last couple of games, even though he hasn't been the right tackle because they're using him as a jumbo tight end. Now that is not a very difficult position just to learn hey go in and block on these plays that we call this personnel package like eight to ten to twelve times a game but it's something cannon's been doing and even when they went back to those when cannon replaced win at right tackle cannon bumped out to right tackle and then win would uh he would bump out to the jumbo tight end and win would go back to right tackle so i think they're going to continue with that um you also have to go his sack a lot at least at cleveland was against miles garrett that's just what it is um but i we all know this can't continue. This act and penalty streak has to end at four or at most five because this Bears defensive line, holy smokes, they could be in the CFL and uh, maybe a bunch of nobody's even up there. Okay, Gary. Uh, Gary notes that nine Patriots rookies played an offensive or defensive snap yesterday. Is that a team record under Belichick? Word of the wise, don't include mailbag questions that you don't have an answer for because, Gary, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's late. Here on Monday as we record, I was not able to look this up, but I will say that Matthew Slater just spoke to some reporter via Zoom and said in his memory, which goes back to 2008, he's never remembered uh, a rookie class stepping in and making this big of an impact. And that says something, not because, you know, Matthew Slater in 2008, but they're doing it this early in the year. And part of that speaks to the lack of roster talent from drafts that they've missed from, you know, 17, 18, 19 May probably not 20 the way Duggar's been playing, and certainly on Wenu, but I would venture, I guess, yes. The only other year I would look at, though, is 2000 Belichick's first one. But as far as the overall impact, I think you're going to have a hard time finding a year. I don't know what the measurement would be of finding a year when the rookies have this much of an impact on the Patriots under Belichick, who knows rookies get you killed in the NFL because that's just how it goes. You want to get to that year two leap, and I think they're counting on a lot of these guys collectively to make that leap next season when they expect to contend again last one from jake um jake asked pff has the patriots ranked as the fourth best team in the nfl for combined offense defense and special teams i think question mark we all agree they are not the fourth best team in the nfl at least i agree um how do you as a sports writer square the advanced stats in the eye test when assessing team play 
It's a good question. And a meta question is uh, Jake noted on Twitter. I would say this, what they are is not the fourth best team in the NFL, but currently the fourth highest graded team in the NFL, according to pro football focus, which as I mentioned before, sometimes a huge disparity in how I'm marking down pressures and hurries versus how they do it. And there are other companies True media, sports info solutions who also have different numbers. But what they're doing is really the eye test here. So it's not so much the analytics or the advanced stats. They do have a ton of advanced stats, a lot of really good data, which is what I go to PFF for versus some of their charting or certainly not the, the grades, except for in extreme instances, Miles Garrett's probably a top defensive end for a reason, right? I would just say you need a balance of both. And this goes across any sort of sport. You listen to people like Theo Epstein, who was, you know, not Billy Bean on the cutting edge in baseball, but implemented analytics within Boston and then goes on to the Cubs and says the more they followed the numbers to keep this in a really simplistic conversation and description, the more you learned you need some of that eye test. So to, to be successful. And part of that blend is what obviously got them championships here in Boston with the Red Sox and then the Cubs in Chicago. And, and that's from baseball, which in a very different sense is a very different sport, and in the sense that a it's really a series of individual outcomes just all stacked on one one another to create you know team outcomes as far as run scored and pitching and all that but it's also identifies with the numbers much more and he's saying in that sport you need to blend the eye test and the human element of the information your scouts pick up with what you get because you can't just go in one direction or another i've learned this leaning into numbers sometimes too heavily myself where you look at oh this is you know the worst run defense uh, in the league, Cleveland, for example, 32nd going into this game, and they stopped the Patriots. Stevenson had 76 yards. They finished with 98 at 3.4 yards per carry. Okay, you can you can look at this, and if people bet using some sort of analytics, they have worse stories than the one I just told about the Browns had a really bad run defense, and then it was good against the Patriots. But these things happen. As far as analytics and stats go, you need a larger sample, I think, before you put your trust in any sort of one of them, and understand that you know you're going to reach the best conclusions in the most predictive. Um, outcomes when you use a blend of both so you know the stats are always getting updated all the time I would stay uh, you know stay up to date with those and then also just understand that it, it's always worth watching the game again because sometimes you can look at these stats and it might be you know Ryder Stevenson again 76 yards and this is not an eye test as far as scouting goes 31 of those were on one carry his touchdown okay so his average might be four but the median there, the the real number as you were watching him, he didn't break out for a day that was like consistently getting four to five yards. Okay. So it's a, it's a different example in conversation about me versus median, but I think you kind of generally get what I'm talking about. Okay. It's late. I'm tired. It's uh Monday night. Read my full film review tomorrow. We covered a lot more than even I just did here. I would expect Mac Jones to start Monday night. That is a guess. I do have a report for you here though, as I tweeted earlier today, Kendrick Bourne dealing uh, with turf toe. TBD and the severity, turf toe can sometimes heal within a week. Other times it can take several weeks or multiple months. My understanding is it will not take months for Kendrick Bourne to recover from this turf toe, um, but they're going to see because this is a tricky injury. Um, and for him, you know, I think they, they obviously want to wait this out, but the Patriots have the receiver depth, especially with Tyquan Thornton emerging to overcome it. So that's it. Patriots Bears coming to you next Monday night. The plan is to still have a preview for you on Friday, and then we will reconvene probably Tuesday for Wednesday. Might just do one podcast next week um, as we bridge into the first Jets game. Nothing like Pat's Jets. All right, until then, be good.